Hello, and welcome to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. My name is James Early. Thanks so much for joining me today. Each week, we take a fresh look at the Bible and dig down beneath the surface of things to the deep spiritual lessons of God's love for each one of us and how to live that love in our daily lives. The goal is to get back to the original Christianity of Jesus with his focus on healing and salvation and his message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, let's jump right in. Hey there, and welcome back to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode number 16. Today we're going to talk about how Christ is preparing our hearts to receive God's glory. I want you to imagine that we were back in Jesus' time, almost 2,000 years ago, and here's this guy, he starts preaching, people start following him. Why do they do that? Why should they go and listen to this preacher that just came out of nowhere from this little backwater town of Nazareth? Why should they go and pay attention to him? Well, there's some things that Jesus does that get their attention. Pretty much the first thing he does when he starts his public ministry, he goes out telling people to repent and believe the gospel, the good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's a pretty simple message. And he goes from town to town. He goes all over Galilee preaching these things. Well, there's some clues in each of the gospels that give us a hint on why people started following him. In John chapter 1, We see John the Baptist preaching his gospel of repentance and that the Messiah is going to come. And it's revealed to John the Baptist that whoever he sees the Holy Spirit descending upon like a dove, that is the Lamb of God. And he sees that happen to Jesus. And so he starts telling his disciples when he sees Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God. Well, so a couple of John the Baptist's disciples go after Jesus. It's Andrew and another one. And they talk to him. And then Andrew goes and finds his brother Peter. And Jesus talks to Peter. Then the day after that, Jesus finds Philip. And Philip finds Nathaniel. And so Jesus is starting to get a few people that believe that he is the Messiah. These few people start to follow Jesus. It was probably some point after this that Jesus was walking by the seaside. And he sees Peter and Andrew in a fishing boat. And he says, follow me, leave your nets and follow me. Then he sees James and John, the same thing, leave your nets and follow me. He's starting to gather these people that are receptive to him. So they started following him because John the Baptist said something, and then word got out of what had happened. And so Jesus was starting to get a little group of people following him. But how did he get these big crowds? How did those people know to follow him? Why should they be interested in what Jesus had to say? There was a sense of expectancy in the air. John the Baptist had been preaching for we don't know how long, but for quite a while about the coming Messiah. And he was getting people ready. And there was this expectancy that the Messiah was going to come any day, any time, and that it was going to be soon. But then Jesus does something. Once he starts to have this little band of followers, Jesus starts going all around Galilee And he goes to their synagogues and he teaches the scriptures and he preaches or proclaims the gospel, the good news, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the most important part of this is he starts healing people. We get a little glimpse of how he did this in chapter 4 of Luke when he goes to his hometown of Nazareth 
and he stands up in the synagogue, and he's handed the book of Isaiah, and he reads one of the prophecies of the Messiah, and he reads it with such authority, and then he sits down, and everybody's in a state of wonder. Well, there's a lot more to that story in Luke chapter 4, but then after that, he heals someone. And this is the pattern. He teaches the scriptures, then he would tell people about the kingdom of God, and then he would heal someone. Well, if you were standing there and you watched someone get healed, or if you were the one that was healed, what would you do next? You'd run tell somebody. You'd go get your brother. You'd get your uncle. You'd bring somebody else that needed to be healed and say, hey, this guy Jesus just healed me. You got to come with me. Let's go find him. He might be able to heal you too. That's how word got out. There was no social media technology. The technology was the human tongue and the human heart. And you put those two things together with good news and it spreads like wildfire. And that's exactly what happened. Matthew tells us that he healed every disease and every affliction among the people. And it wasn't just in this little area. Great crowds followed him all the way from Galilee and Decapolis, even from Jerusalem and Judea and beyond the Jordan River. Word was getting out. So how did Jesus prepare people to receive his message? There was a basic pattern there. He taught the scriptures. He explained them in a way that made sense. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew tells us that the people were astounded at his teaching because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like their scribes did. It was not pedantic. It was not didactic. It was not intellectual. It was from the heart, full of life and full of spirit. They hadn't heard preaching like this before, and it lit their hearts on fire. No wonder. If you had seen all those people healed, Wouldn't you want to hear every word this guy had to say? I think so. Jesus was making a difference in people's lives. He wasn't just intellectualizing about stuff. No, he opened up his heart and he gave people real meaning to the scriptures. And then he healed them. He made it practical. He brought the kingdom of heaven right to where they were. And this prepared them to keep listening. And he kept at it day after day, month after month, for three years. He was teaching and preaching and healing. I think one of the key components here is that he healed people. Think if he had just gone out preaching these wonderful ideas. He would have gotten a following. People would have listened to him. But when he started healing people, that got their attention. They knew the hand of God was in all those healing works, or Jesus wouldn't have been able to heal all those people. Now, at the time, some people followed him probably out of curiosity. Some people followed him probably because they got a free lunch when Jesus fed the 5,000 and the 4,000. I think some people followed him because they were healed or they had seen someone healed. Some people followed him probably because they hoped that they would be healed next. Some people, I think, followed Jesus because they heard the truth of what he was saying. It touched them deeply in their hearts. And some people followed him because they were starting to hope that he just might be the Messiah. And they wanted to find out, how did Jesus prepare these people to receive his message? And basically, his message was to repent, to change the way you think. Instead of looking at things from a material, earth-based perspective, look at things from the perspective that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's the good news, that the kingdom of heaven is here. Later on, he would say, the kingdom of heaven is within you. How did he get people to start thinking that that was a possibility, that heaven is available now? 
He showed them by healing people. Think about that message. Heaven is available now. How many times do we think heaven is someplace you go if you believe in Jesus after you die? It's off in the future, somewhere else. Jesus was saying it's available now. He was forcing his listeners and his followers to think about things in a new way. When we are forced to do something new, that prepares us to receive new ideas. Jesus was saying that God's mercy, God's grace, and love are all here right now. They're not just way off in the future. He also said that he came that we have life and that we have life more abundantly. It wasn't supposed to just be way off in the future. It's right now, right here. Each time he preached, he talked about the scriptures, he explained them, he plumbed the spiritual depths of the scriptures, he elucidated the scriptures, and he took the popular meanings of things of his day, and he gave a deeper meaning instead of just what the scribes and Pharisees said these things meant. So every time he's preaching, every time he's teaching, every time he's telling people about the kingdom of God, every time he heals, It prepares people's hearts a little more to accept the idea that he is the Messiah, that he has come to bring salvation and hope and joy and love and forgiveness and God's grace and God's healing power to them. And I would say it was pretty effective. He did his job very, very well. By the end of his ministry, he had quite a following. So that was great. That was 2,000 years ago. What does that have to do with us? How can our hearts be prepared to receive more of this kingdom of heaven at hand? How can we experience more of God's presence and God's healing power? Jesus is not here as a human being like he was 2,000 years ago to walk up to you and talk to you and heal you. But the Spirit of Christ is here. Jesus said just before he ascended, I am with you always. And then he ascended. Well, if he ascended, how could he be with us? He didn't mean his human body was with us. He meant the spirit of Christ, the spirit of truth and life that was his true identity. So how does Christ prepare our hearts today to receive his message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that we need to repent, completely change the way we look at things from a material self-earth-centered perspective to a spiritual, heaven-based, God-based, God-focused perspective. I think there's several things that we can do to help this process along. First, there has to be a desire for it. There has to be a hungering and thirsting after righteousness. We can invite it to come to us. We can ask God to prepare our hearts to receive more of the Christ Spirit. I think also we need humility and receptivity. It's one thing to ask for something, but you have to be able to receive it. Sometimes to be able to receive something, you have to get rid of something else. If your house is full of furniture and you want a new table, you might have to get rid of the old table before there's room for the new one. And it's true about our thinking too, our habits, our ways of acting, our ways of thinking. In order to be receptive and to be able to receive more of the Christ, we have to get rid of some old ways of thinking. That's part of that repentance in there. And another thing I think we have to realize that we need help. We can't do this on our own. It's not an exercise of the human mind. It's not an intellectual process. It's not a a function of the human brain or the human heart. 
it's a function of our spiritual nature. It's a function of our spiritual receptivity and humility and realizing that we need God to help us do this. We cannot do it by ourselves. And I think there's the interesting point. In our prayers, we can pray to be more humble, more receptive, to accept the fact that we need God's help. We need to desire Christ preparing our hearts to receive more of the kingdom of heaven right now. And the more I thought about that, I realized what causes us to be more humble? What causes us to want to be more humble? What causes us to desire to receive more of the Spirit of Christ? What causes us to be more receptive? What causes us to realize that we can't do it without God's help? Well, it's really God that's doing it all along. He's the one that's planting those seeds in our heart to be more receptive, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. It says in the book of Proverbs, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So God is preparing your heart. He's causing you to be humble. We may think that we are doing it, but even in the way we're praying, God is putting those prayers in our heart. He's putting that desire in our heart. He's causing us to realize that we need more of Christ's appearing in our heart. Another way we can support this process is to acknowledge that God is working in our lives. God can take any circumstance, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's strenuous, stressful, whether it's full of drama, whether it's full of pain, any kind of situation, good or bad, to any extreme or even a little tiny thing, God can use any of those events to prepare our hearts to receive more of the Christ. Think about um, think about waking up in the morning and you've got your shades pulled or the blinds closed or the curtains over your windows. And you can tell the sun is shining because there are little bits of sunlight around the edges of the windows. You go to the window and you open the curtains, you draw the blinds, you pull up the shade, whatever it is, and all of a sudden the sunlight comes in. You didn't make the sun come in the room. The sun's already shining out there. You're just letting it in. I think that's a good metaphor for our hearts. You're not creating God's love for you. You're not creating all these things that Christ is going to do in your life. You're not creating the kingdom of heaven at hand. But when we are humble and receptive and we have a desire to receive more of Christ's message, that's like opening the the window coverings and letting the sunshine in. To continue that metaphor, it's not enough to do that just one day because when you go to bed that night, you're going to close the curtains again or whatever you're covering your window. You have to open them up the next morning to let the sunlight in again. Another way to think about it is, let's say you're at a waterfall, Niagara Falls or Victoria Falls or someplace where there's a lot of water coming over the side. Hundreds of thousands of gallons, millions of gallons of water pouring over. There's this powerful pouring of water. You can stand there for 20 minutes and you see all this water go over. Well, when you leave, there's still water coming. And there's going to be more water coming the next day and the next day after that. That's the way God's love is. Christ is always pouring God's love into our hearts every single day. And we need it every single day. It's not enough just to accept this love in our hearts once. We breathe every moment, every day, throughout the years. Christ is preparing our hearts to receive more of his message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does this mean for you and me? Right now, Christ 
is preparing your heart to receive more love, more mercy, more grace, to experience more of the kingdom of heaven right here, right now. How does this happen? Maybe you go to church and you hear a preacher give a good sermon and it gets you to thinking about something in the Bible in a way you never had before. Maybe in your daily Bible study, you read something you've read many times before, but you get a fresh inspiration about it. Maybe you just see the way the sunlight reflects off the water on the street after a rain. There's so many ways that God can talk to us. There's so many ways that Christ appears to us and comes to us and prepares our heart to receive more of this wonderful news, this good news, this gospel news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His healing salvation is present now, every moment of every day. So take some time to acknowledge that fact, to appreciate that fact, to be grateful that that is going on right now. Christ is working in your heart right now, preparing you to receive all of God's glory. We may only see more of it incrementally, but it's still all there. And one of the most important ways to receive more is to acknowledge it and to be grateful for it. As Christ continues to do all this prep work in your heart, you're going to grow spiritually. You're going to pray more effectively. You're going to experience more healing in your life, and you're going to feel closer to God. So, you know, we're working on this little prayer project for the year 2020, 20 Ways to Follow Christ in the Year 2020. And this week, we're going to be working on number five on the list, which is know your parent-child relationship with God. And that's based on John 10.30 and John 17.21. It's so wonderful to get to know God better as our divine parent, our heavenly father and mother. The Bible actually has a lot of motherly imagery for God, Isaiah chapter 66 in particular. And appreciate the fact that you are God's child. Just think of the tenderness of that relationship and sometimes the sternness. There are all kinds of aspects to our relationship with God. There's the correcting part. There's the teaching part. There's the nurturing part. There's the loving part. There's the protecting part. There's the guiding part. All those elements of a parent-child relationship are there in your relationship with God. So that's what we're going to work on together this week. If this is the first time you've tuned into the Bible Speaks to You podcast, you can go back to episode 12 in the show notes, and there's a place where you can print this list out. And to do that, go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 012, and you'll see the little link you can click to download this list of 20 ways to follow Christ in 2020. Print it out and put it up on your bulletin board or on your refrigerator or at your office. Put it in your purse, wherever is good for you. And we're working on these things together because we all want to get closer to God in 2020 and follow Christ more closely. Well, that's pretty much it. I really appreciate you being here and listening each week. Again, if this is the first time you're here, I hope you will subscribe. That's the best way to get these episodes so that you won't miss anything. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or at Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And I would really appreciate it 
I say this every week, but I really would appreciate it if you would leave a review. Let me know if this has been helpful, and I'd like to know specifically what it was that was helpful. And if there are things you would like me to talk about in the future, let me know that as well. And as always, I'd really appreciate it if you would share this episode with a friend. I've quoted a lot of Bible verses today, so I'm going to put those in the show notes so you can read them or print them out, whatever you'd like to do. You can find them at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 016. This is episode 16. And I'd love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook. I'm at The Bible Speaks to You both on Instagram and Facebook. Tell me a little bit about yourself and, um, and where you are in your faith journey. I'd love to hear about that and, and let me know how I can be of help. Okay, well, so let's wrap this up. Again, thanks so much for listening. I'm James Early with The Bible Speaks to You podcast. God bless you and have a great week.